Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes, and I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. This is Scott Castile from CalvaryFellowshipTC.com, and you're listening to The Engaging Missions Show. Welcome to The Engaging Missions Show with Brian Ensminger. We are bringing missions home. Each week, we hear from missionaries, ministry leaders, disciple makers, and church planters as they share about God's work in their lives and ministries. Like us, they are ordinary people who serve an extraordinary God. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Brian Ensminger. Hi there, and welcome to the Engaging Missions Show. I'm really glad that you're here. In this week's episode, we're going to focus on networking, but we're going to do it by telling stories. We're not just going to talk tactics or strategies or how-to or anything like that. We're going to talk about stories. Our guest is going to share with us one thing that was his lifeblood during a difficult season as a youth pastor, what he sees as the core driver in networking. And here's a hint. It's not just fellowship. He's going to share how a burger or a cup of coffee can be a huge investment in the kingdom and also the four pillars of good networking. As usual, Scott McClellan will be joining us for the leadership moment. He's going to share a little bit on that. And before we get into the episode, I also want to give a shout out and a thank you to someone who left a rating and review. Unfortunately, I don't know this person's name. They just went by the the letters S-T-E-C-I-R when they left it. But if you're listening, thank you. They left five stars and they said, one of the best podcasts I've ever listened to. Audio quality is superb. The interviews are engaging. The content is challenging. And the website content is very helpful, very professional. So for whoever you are that left that, I appreciate that. Thank you. But I would be remiss if I didn't also thank Jeff and Gabby who helped me put the show together. Jeff does the audio editing and Gabby goes through and helps me with the show notes. So they really help with all of this as well. If you're listening to the show and you want to leave a rating and a review, go to engagingmissions.com slash review. There I've got some links that'll take you right to where you need to go, as well as a quick video to show you what you might need to know. And one other thing, make sure you stick around to the end, because if you would like to get a free book, I have a way that you can get a free audiobook, and I'll tell you about that at the end of the show. But I don't want to take any more of your time. We're going to get right into this week's episode. All right. Welcome to the Engaging Missions show. Last week, we had Aaron Babyar with us, and he talked about raising support. He's back with us this week, and we're going to talk a little bit more about networking, which might not be something that you'd think about. And I do want to mention that 
this is not going to be one of our traditional interviews because we're focusing on a talk, a topic. And I also want to mention, and I think it's only appropriate that the reason I'm connected to Aaron is because of my network. Uh, a couple of years ago, I met Paul Yoder. He was on the show. And when I was talking to him about fundraising, he suggested I connect with Aaron. Aaron, like I said last week, is a fully funded ministry leader. He has a lot on his plate. Not only does he help with fundraising, but he helps uh, other people develop their networks and invest in the people around them. So, Aaron, welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. So last week, we talked quite a bit about how you got involved with helping others in fundraising and some of the things that go into that. As we shift to networking, I'm wondering, do you have maybe a story that you could share that that illustrates the value of biblical networking? Yeah, Brian, uh, thanks again for, for having me, me back. I, I appreciate it. Um, I just I love equipping ministry leaders to survive and thrive. So it's really my honor to talk about these topics. And really, a lot of this comes out of personal um, pain, to be honest. Uh, I learned a while back that uh, we need to make sure that the pain we go through informs us, uh, but doesn't define us. And uh, many years ago, I was a youth pastor in a, in a big city area, and I was invited to connect with some other youth leaders in, in, in a local network. And so I, I went for this once-a-month lunch and, you know, just kind of spent some time getting to know the other guys. I might learn something new. I might not. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I, it was good to kind of get to know some people that were in, in different ministries and different churches and and. You know, there wasn't a lot of agenda to it. It wasn't like this big thing where I had to pay money to go. Is I went and got a cup of soup or a burger or something. That that, that was it, and, and got to know other people. It didn't seem like really formal. Um, meanwhile, at the church where I was serving, the youth group was just thriving, just thriving in, in new converts and real discipleship that was leading to even more converts. It, it was awesome. Um, it was it was definitely one of those situations where I was like, God, I can't believe you put me in in this situation where stuff is just exploding in a good way. Um, <clears throat> but the church itself, it, it wasn't doing so well. And a couple of years in, it became very obvious that there were some huge problems. And particularly, a board member told me that I had a leadership issue. And it just really wounded me. And, and, and as I tried to seek that out and figure out what he was talking about, um, he basically was saying, you know what? You're out of space for all these teenagers and all these new believers showing up. Um, you should have thought about that before you went and grew this group up so big. Mm-hmm. I, I was dumbfounded. Uh, it, it broke my heart. He really made it sound like I had a problem that I was somehow really immature in creating and that I needed to get rid of some of these kids whose parents hadn't shown up yet and started tithing. And Uh, it just, it killed me. It slayed me, Brian. And I didn't know what to do with it. I was a new dad. Um, We had money problems. I mean, the church wasn't, it wasn't a poverty check, but they weren't paying us that well. And they had already cut our salary a little bit. I mean, it was just, it was a tough situation. And fortunately, like I said, I'd been a part of a, a local network of youth leaders, and, and one of the youth ministers from a, from a different ministry called me up, and he took me to lunch, and he said, um, I kind of heard about what's going on over there. How you doing? You know, to this day, I believe one of the reasons I stayed in ministry is because I had a network that somebody knew to call me up and take me out and ask me how I was doing, because no one had asked me that at the church I was at for in over a year. 
the senior pastor had left more than a year before. I was I went from being kind of the youth pastor that was building this great thing to uh, the youth pastor that keeps bringing more kids in. I, I felt like a, a babysitter, and, and no one asked me how I was doing. And I cried, and believe me, please believe me, I'm not really a crier, <laughs> but um, I realized that day, oh my goodness, this network has, has been a lifeblood for me. Uh, and that wasn't just soul care. That was some resources, too. And I'm sure I'll tell you more about that later. But um, that's really kind of how I, I got into it in the first place and, and started thinking about it from from uh, the mindset of, of hey, that this is good and started thinking about some of the scriptures. Brian, I'm sorry. Did you want me to go? I have some scriptures I can share. You want me to go ahead and dig into that? Oh, yeah, oh, please yeah. do. Okay. Well, first of all, uh, you know, John 17, 20 through 23, I I hear it in church sometimes. And it's where Jesus is praying for future believers. He's praying for us. He's praying for future believers, and he's praying that that we will be one in him. And so if we read John 17, 20 through 23, uh, he's thinking about future believers so that so that the world will know that the world will believe that he sent us. And so unity, he prayed for our unity many, many, many years ago when he was still walking the earth. And so I hadn't really realized that until just a few years ago. And I went, oh my goodness, unity in Christ is a big deal, big enough that Jesus prayed about it. And if I want to be unified with other people, I have to know them. So that, that was something that got me thinking. Another thing was Proverbs twenty seven seventeen. It's another verse you've probably heard a lot where iron sharpens man and one man sharpens another. Well, listen, it's really hard to sharpen somebody else if you don't know them, if you're not spending time with them, if they're not getting to know you. And, and iron sharpening iron, sometimes it's not this real smooth, lovey-dovey, teddy bear kind of soft concept. Right. Like it, there's friction there, right? Um, and that, that comes through relationships. So I started thinking about ministry in context of who's sharpening me and, 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 and who am I sharpening? And so then as I continue to think about that, one of the verses that really just kind of went, I went, oh, okay, I'm starting to get this in relation to even to networking. If you look in Exodus 18, around verse 17, we see that, that Jethro, you know, he's Moses' father-in-law, and he's chiding Moses for trying to do it all by himself. In fact, he says, what you are doing is not good. You and the people, you will certainly wear yourselves out for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now, that last verse there, that's not really about networking exactly per se, but we know that good networking helps ministry leaders to be less isolated, which means they don't feel so alone uh, like when things go sideways at a church, like what it did for me. Uh, but it's not just relationships. It can come to resources. It can affect a number of things. So if you put those kind of three passages together, I'd say that's a lot of my framework as to why I think networking is so important. Yeah, so maybe we need to take just a second and kind of define what we what we mean when we talk about networking, because I think that sometimes there's a picture of networking that's kind of like a guy in a, I don't know, a, a worn down suit with just handing out business cards randomly. Is that what you mean when you're talking about networking? 
Well, if you go to a Chamber of Commerce meeting, I found that's exactly what happened. <laughs> so um, you don't necessarily want that, although that's a great place to meet people if you really want to meet new people. <laughs> but uh, no, that that's a real threat. Uh, but don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, the National Network of Youth Ministries has successfully identified a handful of healthy proponents of good networking that work really well, not only for youth ministry, but as well as all sorts of different types of ministry. And those four things really come down to, number one is prayer. Second is building relationships. Third is sharing resources. And the fourth thing is developing strategies. And those four things uh, in networking, when they're working together, I'm telling you, there's some cool things that happen. Wow. So it, it seems like then our understanding of networking really shapes the approach and that if we have a good understanding, then networking isn't really self-promotional. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. I mean, I've certainly been in a network meeting where one guy shows up and he brings his flyers and he goes, hey, come to my concert, come to my thing. And then he leaves and everybody's like, who is he again? What church is he from? And that's the only time he ever shows up. I don't really think that guy's networking. That guy's just trying to get you to go to his thing. All right. Whereas when you come to the, you know, if you go to a network meeting, and most of them meet monthly, some meet twice a month, and you're there for prayer and building relationships and sharing resources, absolutely, there might be some development of strategies. There might be something you go, hey, I got this legit thing if anybody else wants to be a part of it. And then you have that relational credibility, and someone might go like, hey, that's great. Can I totally bring my whole group to that? You know, or or the flip side of, hey, this is an issue for me. Is this an issue for you? It is. Yeah. You have it? Oh, you have that issue too? Oh, okay. What what if we partnered together on doing something about that issue? And see, there's that that unity and that and that oneness, that developing strategies thing. Let me tell you, that's that's beautiful when when that really kicks off. And and I certainly know of communities right now where that is going on, where the youth pastors in the community, because they have intentionally networked, they're like they're like some of the most trusted people. I mean, I, I know of situations where literally the schools, the schools, the public high schools call the youth pastors and they have a problem kid. Even though there's all sorts of people that have legal problems with that, and they'd be angry if they knew and stuff like that. And they're like, hey, we, we just need results. We need someone who's going who's gonna to pick this kid up and make sure he has a tutor and talk to his parents because we at the school aren't going to do it, but this kid needs help. And so the teacher will call the youth pastor and they'll get involved. And, and that, came, that came through networking. So, yeah, I think our understanding of what networking is, um, is it's still in process for a lot of people because they assume is well I show up and I give people my stuff and they and then maybe they come to it. Let me tell you that that's a pretty that's a pretty low bottom shelf version of networking. Whereas a a, a more great commission minded version of networking really leads to community change. Yeah, you know you've hit on probably some of the things that even I would struggle with um, as a as a person who's not really a strong extrovert. You know, the idea of even going out and meeting people is challenging. However, if we deal just with the foundational stuff, if you could replace maybe just one misconception about networking, what would you replace, and then what would you replace it with? Well, you know, a lack of understanding of Jesus' prayer from John seventeen. I think. I think uh, it, it just the understanding oneness is is very different than looking to promote your ministry. Um, and and it, 
I mean, sometimes people promote their ministry really to the detriment of promoting Jesus. Sometimes mm-hmm. it becomes more about their logo and about their, their ego than it comes about anything else. Uh, and sometimes that's just based out of insecurity that they need to be the biggest or the most successful ministry or, or, or that somehow others will, you know, get to know them and expose them if they don't have it all together. And so, uh, you know, there, there, there's, there's some things that people can really struggle with in networking that, that I would like to replace. And, and so not seeing other ministry workers as peers is that that's a big part. I like to get rid of too. Um, seeing, seeing each other as, as somehow competition because, because they're not under the same, you know, mission organization or because they're not underneath the same denominational flag. I just, I feel like that's, that's naive. Um, and so there's, I mean, there can be several different things that people can struggle with in networking, but I think, you know, if I were to, you know, try and fix one thing, it would be getting people to understand Jesus' prayer from John 17, 20 through 23. That, those are kind of marching orders in there. I mean, that, that should affect how we spend our time in being unified with other Christians and particularly other ministry leaders if we are ministry leaders. So as, as you've mentioned unity a couple of times now, you've really keyed in on one of the things that's important to me. I would say that, you know, not even all of the guests that I have on the show would I necessarily agree with, but I want as best I can to pursue biblical unity. Have you found any ways for people to continue walking in unity when there is a place where they have some disagreement? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, we, we should value unity in the body of Christ. Uh, we, we, we can even promote it. I believe that we can be blessed and we can be a blessing. And the fact is, over time, I have learned. Now, I grew up in a denomination when I was young. Um, and I'm not, I'm not throwing all denominations under the bus, so people don't press pause on the <laughs> podcast just yet. But, 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 but the fact is, I don't care if you're Baptist or Presbyterian or even Catholic, which that steps on some people's toes a bit, I realize. But the fact is... We agree on more than we disagree on when it comes to Christ. So let's focus on the things that we can do to help each other build the kingdom of God instead of allowing theological differences to cause us to avoid fellowship. By instead of allowing theological differences to cause us to avoid each other, um, it's just it seems like so many of the issues are are minor uh, that that we get really stuck on. Now I realize. I'm talking right now from the middle of the United States, and and it might be pretty different where some of the listeners are at. There might be some real issues um, between some denomination things, and so I I I I, I might be out you know out punting <laughs> my coverage so to speak a little bit on that. But I would say in all cases, let's do come back to the fact that 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 Christ prayed for us to be unified in Him as a, as a testimony to the world. And let's make sure that affects how we treat each other, even how we serve each other. That's, that's good. So Aaron was talking about biblical unity and the value of that. If you didn't catch all that, I would recommend that you go back a minute or two and listen to that because that was some good stuff. With that, though, we are going to go ahead and take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to shift our focus a little bit more to some of the practical stuff. Take your leadership to the next level. It's time for the Foundational Missions Leadership Moment with Scott McClelland of FX Missions. Hi, this is Scott McClelland. Thanks for joining us for the Leadership Moment. Our problem or thing we're considering on this a new series is overcoming obstacles on the path to influence. Just a little background here, as I mentioned last time, many people 
or many individuals, and especially as a percentage, there are many uh, who are called to leadership who never make it to that place of leadership or influence because they cannot successfully navigate the obstacles that are on that path. That's what we're digging into here. We'll be digging into it for several podcasts. I want to encourage you to come back, stick around. If this is meaningful to you, please pass it on. Again, our thanks to the guys over at Engaging Missions for helping us make uh, this podcast stand up, and we hope you're getting something out of it. Let us know if we can do more or something different to be a blessing to you. And don't hesitate to reach out to us at fxmissions.com. There are a number of these stumbling blocks. I have selected several, and I'll try to go through each one that I've picked out here on the week-by-week basis or on a podcast-by-podcast basis, if you're finding this uh, at various times. Look around these, and there'll be a whole series, maybe six, seven, or eight, that we do for you. First, I'd like to talk about injuries that we suffer through the insecurities of our leaders. Injuries that we suffer through the insecurities of our leaders. Now, all of us as humans have moments of insecurity. No surprise there. Some of us have strongholds of insecurity. That may sound a little dramatic. True, though. Much of what we see in insecurity and leadership falls somewhere in between those two extremes. This might be surprising to you, especially if you have a unrealistic or an idealistic perspective of leadership, or maybe your leader seems larger than life, you may think, wow, they don't have any insecurities. Scratch that thought from your mind. Though it can be surprising, it's real. We all have moments or more than moments of insecurity. Um, What happens to us when we think about our leaders as completely secure is it sets us up for false expectations. And false expectations is actually one of the things we're going to be talking about in one section. So we'll get to that a little bit later. But we need to have realistic expectations of our leaders and complete with their insecurities, especially if we're getting close in relationship to leaders. We'll see more and more of their insecurities. And we don't need to be surprised by that. One good rule of thumb, let your awareness of your own weakness be a source of grace for others. Let your awareness of your own weaknesses be a source of grace for others. Because insecurities, after all, is personal weakness. And don't expect perfection from yourself or others, including your leaders. Don't expect perfection. Don't expect yourself to be perfect or those others to be perfect. And be gracious in the visible manifestation of those imperfections, your own and others. Another thing, commit to forgiveness. When you see an insecurity of a leader and you're hurt by it, commit yourself in advance to forgiving that leader. Remember Noah and his sons and let that be a guideline for how we respond in the demonstrated weakness of someone in authority and responsibility. I want to encourage you to take a look, actually, at that story of Noah and his sons, specifically when they got on the land and there was a vineyard planted. You'll get the rest if you don't already know it. 
We're talking about and we'll continue talking about navigating obstacles on the path to influence. I'm Scott McClellan with your Leadership Moment. If you have any questions for me or us, contact us at fxmissions.com. Thanks for joining us. See you next time on the Leadership Moment. Have a good one. This Leadership Moment was produced in partnership with Engaging Missions. Have your leadership question answered by contacting Scott at scott at fxmissions.com. Visit FX Missions to learn more about how you can grow your leadership and engage in missions. Visit engagingmissions.com for encouragement, insight, and resources from missionaries, ministry leaders, and church planters. All right, we're back with Aaron Babiar. We just talked about, man, while we were, I'll just go backwards for a second. While we were talking on the break, we were talking a little bit about unity and man, he hit a chord with me. So I'm serious. That is like a really big deal. But now we're going to shift our focus. We've been talking about some of the why parts of networking and really more about unity than anything. Now it's time to get practical and talk about what's working. So Aaron, what would you have me do to go out and start getting connected with people? Well, I'll quote Robin Williams from Good Morning Vietnam and say, you got a window? Open it. (laughs) You know, um, look out the window. Like, seriously, what are the ministries that are active in your community right there around you? Figure out a way to connect with them. Call. Show up at their office. Buy them lunch. Find someone else that also agrees that this is an important concept and, and do something about it. There's a, there's a quick start guide that the National Network of Youth Ministries uh, puts out, and it's a free download to a PDF. Listen, if you're not even in youth ministry, still go get this thing. Go download this thing. It's great. You, you can take out the words youth where you want to. It still works because it, it's kind of a guide to dream about networking better. Mass emails by themselves, they, they don't work very well. You gotta pick up the phone or you gotta show up personally first. You know, friend somebody on Facebook and, and, and then message them and ask them to meet. Don't lead with, hey, I wanna start a network. You should come. Ah, that sounds like you're selling something. Mm-hmm. Lead with, hey, you seem to love Jesus too. Can I buy you a cup of tea and maybe you can tell about the work that you do for the kingdom? I mean, That works in similar fashion globally. I don't care where you're at. When you just tell someone, hey, can I I, I buy you a drink and you can tell me your story of of why you do what you do? I mean, just hold on because they're going to start talking. And and that's a a real big first step is, is pay attention to who's around you. Several years ago, I was sitting down with a, uh, a, a network that had kind of unintentionally become very denominationally driven. Uh, I, I live in an area that there's, a, there's one particular denomination that, that, that kind of, uh, it, well, there's just more of those around here than any others. And I was sitting there listening to several of these youth leaders, and they were talking, you know, our youth, you know, this, this network we have here, this network should grow. Well, who should we invite and I'm thinking of like 10 different churches that I knew were in the geographical area there. And instead of starting to list them off, they started literally naming churches that were of a similar denomination in an hour and a half, two hours, three hours away saying, well, we should connect with them or we should connect with them. And finally, I couldn't take it anymore. I was like, hey, what about the churches literally down the street, like 300 yards? And they like looked at me like, oh, yeah, we didn't even think of that. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, 
please pay attention. If you're thinking that you need to do a better job uh, of just getting to know other people that love Jesus and that are serving him in your community, please just pay attention to uh, what's close by. I mean, it really comes down to if they're driving on the same streets as you, if they're shopping in the same stores as you, they're in your community. Put a plan together where you can start meeting people and, and connecting with them. It's really not rocket science, but it does take being intentional. And, you know, the other thing it probably takes is time. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of times a vocational minister will really struggle with, where they have a ministry that they're running or a group of particular people they minister to. It can feel like a big time suck, I think, to to take some time away. It might even feel selfish. What would, what, what, what would you share with somebody in that situation? Well, I... Uh... I struggle being graceful sometimes and not mincing words, but I, I, I would say I think it's more selfish the other way around. To just focus on your own church or your own ministry and not anybody else, um, that's, that, that, to me, that, that, that's a lot more selfish. If you spent even just an hour a week trying to network and minister and, and be a part of, of the lives of other ministers in, in your area, you'd be miles ahead of where you're at right now, sometimes more than that. Um, let me give some, can I give a practical example? Oh yeah. Um, years ago, um, there was this, uh, this youth leader network that I was a part of. It's actually the same network that I mentioned earlier. And I, you know, I was young, you know, I had a, I had a, a degree, but I was really, you know, wet behind the ears. And, and I found out that this network, a bunch of the guys and gals that were that were running these these youth ministries, had decided to do a uh, an all night like a youth all nighter thing, like a lock in type thing on New Year's Eve. And I was working. I already mentioned a little about the church I was working at. There was no budget for anything. You know, like if a light bulb broke, we had to pray about how we were going to replace it. Like it was mm-hmm. really tight around there. And um, uh, I found out that they had this youth all-nighter lock-in, and it was ridiculously cheap. But the stuff that they did was crazy. I mean, it was from like a, an all-night ski slope and an all-night bowling alley and an all-night movie theater and an all-night athletic complex and free buses between them. And like these guys just put this thing together, and I was like, wow. They're like, well, you're coming, right? And I'm like, well, what? I can come to this? Like, yeah, man, absolutely. Like, come, bring your kids. And your job is just love on your kids, hang out with your kids all night. And so I got to do nothing but have fun with and minister to the teenagers that I was the youth pastor of that night for next to nothing. I could have never done that, having such limited resources. But together, collectively, Multiple churches, multiple youth leaders were able to pull that off for so cheap, it blew my mind. And, and that all came because a group said, hey, let's, how can we help each other as we're ministering to kids? And they just went with it. And so that's like kind of a, a macro example. Let me give you a more micro example. There was a guy, his name was Kevin DeVries. And Kevin was a good guy. I didn't know him that well. But he was from, you know, the church in the community. Mm-hmm. You, you know that church. It's the one that everybody knows. It's, it's a little bigger. It's a little shinier. It has more resources. It's the one everybody wishes their salary was coming from. Like, you know, it was right. that church. And um, Kevin was at almost every single youth leader network meeting. And I'll never forget this. I mean, it's like it happened yesterday, and it's been you know twenty plus years probably. Um, he got up 
at one point and said, hey, um, I'm just going to address the elephant in the room. Yes, I'm at this church. Yes, we have a lot of resources. Yes, my office is huge. Yes, my youth group is huge. Hold on, though. He goes, please don't judge me. We're like, what? Judge you? We want to be like you. And he and he was like, he's like, I am no more or less a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ than anybody else in this room. I am not more important than you. I have different resources. I'm in a different place. In fact, I have an embarrassment of a closet that's more like a library that has all kinds of videos and books and stuff like that that we have used and I will never use again, and it's just sitting in there. Please help yourself. Go take whatever you want. When you're done with it, please bring it back. I don't want to mess with checking it out and checking it in. You know what you're taking. Just take whatever you need. If it's going to help you in ministry, go for it. Wow. It blew my mind. I mean, I was in that closet five minutes later, man. <laughs> I was I was thrilled, and I totally used those resources, and 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 it helped me in 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 helping bring more and more kids to Jesus. And I'm just like, wow! It wasn't about the name of the denomination he was with. It wasn't about how how big his office were, what was, or how much money he was making. It was about being unified in Christ in the Great Commission, and so. If you're a vocational minister, it's not that you don't have time. It's that you need to take your priorities and reassess them and realize that you're never going to be that effective in reaching the community in in which you live by just trying to do it with just your ministry. You need to lock arms with other pastors. And meanwhile, you're going to get blessed along the way and that you're going to gain some friends. They're going to minister to you and you're going to have a time. You're going to have an opportunity to minister to them as well. So one, I'd like to go back to one of the things you had talked about, which was the the group, and you, you didn't mention the denominational name, so it doesn't matter, that you know, basically when they looked at expanding their network, if you will, they were only looking to people a couple hours down the road within that denomination. What would you share with somebody if the almost the entire depth of their network is people within their own denomination where they meet maybe once a month or once a quarter for, for some kind of denominational thing? Yeah, I, I wouldn't tell them to stop doing that. I, I, that's fine. I mean, if you're in a denomination, there are some there, there could be some really good pluses with that. And I have no problem with a, a denomination having its own network. I, I think that's a great thing. I really don't have an issue with that. But reality check, you don't live in the same neighborhood or the same community as most of the other churches in your denomination. You are not in each other's lives. You're not in each other's daily. You're not focused on the same high schools. You're not focused on, on, on reaching those kids from the same community. Yes, you both want to reach kids, but reality is that you just can't lock arms on a lot of day-to-day regular things. And so from that standpoint, I wouldn't say ignore your net, your network from your denomination and go local. I would say, man, that's awesome you have a denomination network also, but don't ignore local for the sake of the denomination. You need to go local also. That's good. So, you know, uh, this is um, a little bit interesting because a lot of the networking that we're talking about so far is, you know, pretty much people that you live in the same community or within a couple hours drive. However, a, a portion of the people who listen to this show are overseas missionaries. Have you found any ways for them to continue to build their networks while they're not in their home country or to to stay in touch besides just like sharing something on Facebook? 
Well, yes and no. First of all, let me address this. If you, like, for instance, I have some friends that are uh, in Thailand, and then I have some other friends that are in Thailand, and then I have some other friends that are in Thailand, and they're all in the same community, and they're all working with different missions organizations. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, um, <laughs> I hope that there's some networking going on there. I mean, you guys are literally uh, in, in, in not only the same city, uh, but I found out a couple of them that I knew. I knew them independently of each other. They live two blocks from each other in the same city. They're both Americans. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. You two have to meet. You live two blocks from each other. Um, and so I think there is networking that can happen locally, globally, wherever you're at. If there are ministry workers that love Jesus, that are vocational or you know, even spend a lot of time volunteer ministry workers, don't discount that. Get to know them. That may be they might be a completely different, you know, denomination or sending agency. If there is not a massive theological issue, take the time to get to know them. You might not want to do what they do. They might not want to do what you do. That's fine. But you might also have an opportunity to share some resources. You might also have an opportunity to to get to know each other better and, and to learn from each other and bless each other and pray for each other and walk with each other through hard times. Please don't discount that just because you're you're in a, you're in a different city uh, somewhere else in the world that that's not in the U.S. Um, aside from that, absolutely, you can network in other ways. Um, I'm a part of a Facebook group, even within uh, the the staff of the National Network of Youth Ministries, and it's a Facebook group that's just encouraging each other uh, around a topic. Um, there's like 30 members of it. It's not that big. Uh, with the exception of about three people, none of us live in the same even state. I mean, we're literally all over the United States. Uh, I'm building relationships with these people over time. We only physically see each other maybe once or twice a year, if that. Uh, and so you can do some things via networking, via social media. But at the end of the day, there is nothing that replaces being able to look somebody in the eye face-to-face, share the same air, share the same place, and really really be able to engage for a while. And so um, uh, that might not be applicable to everybody in every situation, but I would think that most people, you have the opportunity to try and connect with someone that's in ministry in your area that really loves Jesus. They might have a slightly different vision of how they're putting that to work, but they really love Jesus, so why, why not? Why not see if you can't get to know them and, and pray together and uh, p- potentially even share some resources or even find something commonality you can work on together? It's not going to hurt anything. It's for the Great Commission, so see, see where unity exists and go for it. Well, Aaron, thanks for sharing that. With that, we are going to go ahead and take one more quick break. And when we come back, we're going to shift our focus a little bit more toward people called into the marketplace. Here's a taste of what's coming up on the Engaging Mission Show. The staff there were just awesome, made some incredible friends, learned a lot, loved producing TV, you know, absolutely loved it, had so much fun doing it. A lot of work, though, huge learning curve and a lot of work. But again, it was just somebody needed to do something about this. And so, okay, I'll do it. And, you know, if you notice my life now, I'm not even in that area anymore. There's other people now that do it and take care of it and do a way better job than I ever did of it, right? But it needed the catalyst. It needed somebody to get it going. It needed somebody to start it. And so, okay, sure, I'll do it. I'll, I'll, I'll help out in that. If you enjoyed that, you won't want to miss a single episode of the Engaging Mission Show. 
subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher to have it delivered automatically. Visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. That's engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. All right, we're back with Aaron Babyar, and he just shared a bunch of good stuff. Now we're shifting our focus. We've been focused pretty specifically on people who are called into ministry, but networking has really strong uh, applications to people who are called into the marketplace as well. So I want to offer some additional resources there as well. So as we think about people who are called into the marketplace, my first question, Aaron, is how can we approach this in in a way that's cohesive and and whole, right? We've talked about that in terms of ministry. Is it the same answer for, for the marketplace? Well, I think there are some slightly different applications. Um, for example, I know of a couple people that have been pretty active in uh, some youth leader networks. They're not youth pastors at all. They're, they're people from the marketplace, but they care about the youth in their community. And so they know that there needs to be change and they know that just propping up another social program that, that, that lacks Jesus as its core doesn't work. And so uh, they, they hang out. You know, they come to like a youth leader network. And uh, they're, they, they're, in some ways they're kind of a cheerleader for youth pastors. But also they're looking for ideas and they're looking for, 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 for good opportunities to get involved and, and do something on their own. I have one friend who several years ago uh, through – through just kind of hanging out and being around youth pastors, said, "Hey, you know what? I'll, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pay for the to have this uh, Christian music festival. I, I got the money. If, if you guys will have your, if you guys want to have your kids come to it, I'll pay for it. And of course, you know all these youth pastors are like, what? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it was an opportunity uh, for 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 a, a really cool Christian music festival to happen. Um, another time, same guy. He's like, man, there is no one." There aren't any churches, at least that he knew of in the area, that are doing a, a good job of re- reaching a certain segment of the kids. It was bothering him that he was driving by this park where there was a pretty rough crowd hanging out every day after school. Uh, most of the kids were, you know, smoking and skateboarding and BMXing, and that's about it. And it was a really rough crowd, and he was like, "Man, I, there's nobody there," and so. Um, he talked with some of the youth pastors, and I think he probably got a little bit of uh, uh, some ideas and a little bit of vision in, in doing that. And one thing led to another, and he funded a skateboarding ministry. And why, why I say funded, he helped pay, uh, really pay the salaries to have a few guys part-time skateboard and put on like skateboarding like demonstration and shows and he would travel around the area and would use it as a as a mouthpiece and they would share the gospel over a loudspeaker after some of their demonstrations uh and and several of the guys that were the skateboarders they were either guys that were getting into youth ministry or they had youth ministry degrees like he didn't just get people he could get that could skate he got people that could skate really good that really loved jesus that were willing to share their faith and so the guy that like ran this, the guy that funded it, if you will, this dude couldn't skateboard worth anything. <laughs> he wasn't a skateboarder, he, but he was successful in business. And he saw an opportunity to try and connect with, uh, with, with youth workers, to try and reach the youth uh, ar- around his region. And so, you know, I have a couple more examples like that where marketplace people, they love Jesus and they have some funds but it's not just about you know giving their giving their money to another church. Nothing against giving money to churches, uh, but like they they wanted to see something tangible happen in a certain area, and so they did it. 
Uh, and so th- that, those are just a couple of, of good examples of how marketplace people can actually, through, through getting involved with networks, local youth pastors, they can be a part of something that goes beyond the four walls of their church building. You know, it's really interesting that you shared the story that you did with that particular person with the skate park thing. I think sometimes, at least in Christian circles, we seem to have this sense that only a pastor or a vocational minister can have a, a vision for what kind of ministry could be in in a place. But it sounds like in this instance, it was actually somebody in the marketplace. Is, is that something you found to be consistent? Well, I would say it doesn't happen enough. Because I believe that sometimes our marketplace people, they don't feel like they have permission to do something like this. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You're no more or less a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ than I am. Yes, I happen to be licensed by a church. Yes, the IRS considers me a pastor. You know, like, don't get me wrong. That's not like that That stuff isn't true. But you are not limited by your job title. You're, you're called to love Jesus more than anything else and be a part of the Great Commission. You might be in the marketplace. That's fantastic, but use your resources to do ministry all the same. And so, yeah, it's, that happens. I mean, and I, and there are other examples out there. Is it happening enough? No. Why? Is it because we have vocational ministers? Yeah, some of it. That's not the only reason. But I know a lot of vocational ministers that are just waiting for marketplace people to get off the sidelines and help or even take lead. And I've known some ministers that they want it to be about them. They want it to be about their name and lights. They want to be the star of the show. Uh, they're the only one who can be called pastor. You know, they got they got their little their little things going on with them. Um, but I just I don't have patience uh, for, for it. it there, there's no fiefdom. I'm not interested in in, in, in being a part of uh, anybody's thing that's uh, that's only as big as them. It needs to be it needs to be way bigger than them. It needs to be way bigger than me. So if you're in the marketplace. And you got this crazy idea. I mean, I'm not saying run out and do it all by yourself. Find other people that really love Jesus that are going to be passionate about it. They're going to work it with you. Uh, but whether it's something you know on, online or whether it's something tangible, whether it's something physical, right there. But you know, be, be intentional uh, about it and and go for it. You're you're not limited a lot of times by anything other than uh, what, what you've asked God for and what you've heard Him say. So I'm thinking that there are probably some pastors, maybe some who would be listening to something like this, and they might be thinking, I would love it if my lay ministers, my marketplace ministers had a vision for something, and they just don't seem to be walking in that. Have you found anything that would work as far as helping to release people into that? Yeah, you know, a a great amount of humility by the pastor is a really big first step, where the pastor can say, hey, I want to let you know I'm willing to do something way beyond my comfort zone. Um, if, if the end result is more people coming to Christ and being discipled in him, uh, I'm not Mr. Idea, but I am open to crazy ideas. I'm open to doing something that this church has never even considered doing before. What do you think? And not trying to be the answer guy, but really asking some open questions. Sometimes leaders think that makes them appear to be weak, that they don't have all the answers. I, I think this is actually a show of strength that I don't know at all. Um, I, I'm one guy, but you're you're a part of this ministry with me. You're a part of this church. Your family is here. What can we collectively do? How can we partner maybe even with, with, with a different ministry in the church to make a difference for the kingdom? 
Um, what, what already exists in this area that we could get behind and do more with? Or where is there a pressing need and we don't see anybody meeting it? How can we, how can we become a part of that? I think that a lot of times that's how nonprofits and, and ministries get started is because there's, there's a need that someone just has a passion for and God's given them that passion. But as far as they can tell, there's not a, there's not already a ministry or, 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 or uh, whether it's a parachurch or an actual local church doing something about it. And then they realize at one point, oh, I need to be a part of the solution here. And so marketplace people, uh, you are a part of the solution. You might not even be the person that does a lot of the work. You might just pray about it and fund it. Um, but don't ever let it be about you just because you're funding it. Make sure that it's it, you're, you're partnering, that you're a part of it, not the only thing that it rests upon. That's good. What what tools, books, resources? What would you recommend for our listeners? Well, first of all, I mentioned the uh, the National Network of Youth Ministries, uh, and one of the things that you can do is very simple: is get onto their website, which is youthworkers.net, and, and you can create a, a profile. Um, and you don't have to just be in youth ministry, by the way. <laughs> um, but you can you can create a profile, and there's all sorts of articles and blog posts, and and there's a lot of good stuff on there uh, that that you can read more about networking. Um, on there is uh, there's a PDF you can download. It's called the Quick Start Guide. And again, I think that thing is fantastic for networking. That really gives you an opportunity to to, to kind of dream and pray a little bit and, and invite somebody else into that process. Uh, so I think that's pretty significant um, that that that, uh, that that you can you can just do something like tomorrow. You could do something with that with another ministry worker uh, in your region if, if you can get them to agree to sit down with you for a while. And then there is a book out there that is actually the founder of the National Network of Youth Ministries. His name is Paul Fleischman. Um, he's a friend of mine, but man, he's a wonderful, wonderful guy. And he actually wrote a book called Better Together. And it's available on on Kindle or you know, on paper. You know, you can you can get if you're one of those book people, you can get a book. Otherwise, you can get a digital download. Uh, but that that does a good job of just kind of laying some foundation uh, for, for why we're better together, and, and we just are as ministry leaders. Uh, we we don't need um, we just, we just don't need individuals all the time. Everybody trying to make it about their own personal kingdom. We need more people that that really embrace this idea of being unified in Christ, being great commission oriented with, with their focus, and realizing that locking arms uh, really allows us to be better together. And by better, I mean more effective. I mean healthier. I mean all sorts of positive things uh, when, when when it's not just about us personally. Well, that's good. We're just about done. But before we do finish up, I do want to mention the show notes will be available at engagingmissions.com slash Aaron Babyar 2. That's the number two, because just last week we had the first the first one. So Aaron, before we go, I'm wondering, do you maybe have one last piece of advice or guidance for people and a way for people to connect with you? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Listen, you're only going to thrive as a ministry leader when you're able to set aside your ego and your logo and partner with other ministry leaders outside of your four walls or whatever ministry that you're in. This will not only make you more effective at doing the Great Commission, but it's going to be a blessing to your soul. As you begin ministering to others and being ministered to or by others that are also in ministry, because being in ministry can be a really lonely place sometimes. We can wrongly 
elevate ourselves too much and and we almost think like we we shouldn't be human we know that's not right but sometimes we can kind of slip into that being a part of a network can really help with that so i really encourage everyone uh to 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 look for those opportunities make time for it in your schedule be intentional about it it won't happen on accident so aaron is there a good place for people to connect with you and learn more about what you're doing yeah, uh, like like you said, Brian, I I wear a couple of different hats. I actually, um, as far as the IRS concerned, I work for a ministry named Exago, but I do have a I do have a couple of key hats that I wear. Uh, one is with as a development director with the National Network of Youth Ministries, and then of course as a managing director of Support Raising Solutions. Believe it or not, it sounds like a crazy amount of work, and and it is, but it all like really flows well together. But it can be a little confusing for people sometimes. Like, wait a minute. Are you this or are you that? <laughs> yes. Uh, so I do have a LinkedIn profile, and uh, you, you can find that. My name is Aaron Babiar, and uh, I just consider myself a minister of ministry leaders via Exago Ministries. Very good. Aaron, thank you so much. This has been great. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on, Brian. I'd like to say one more huge thank you to Aaron Babiar for making himself available. I really appreciate that he took the time to do this because this isn't the only episode he did. Last week, he was also here talking about fundraising, so he's really made himself available for us, and I appreciate that. As I mentioned before, show notes are available at engagingmissions.com slash Aaron Babyar 2. That's Aaron Babyar and the number 2, because this is the second episode he's done. Also, I have a, a new series that I'm working on. It's focusing on children in ministry, And I'm looking for a few more people to interview. I'm looking for families who have involved their children in ministry, so ministering alongside them, because I want to hear how they did it and what's going on. And then I'm also looking for maybe some resources for people who are trying to do this. So I'm trying to set up some interviews. If you might happen to be one of those people, or if you know someone who fits the bill, send me an email, feedback at engagingmissions.com. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, there is a way for you to get a free book if you're interested, and my recommendation is to get the Bible. I have a deal set up with audible.com where if you go to engagingmissions.com slash free book and try out their service for 30 days, absolutely free, they will give you one audio book just to try it out, and that's yours to keep. When I did this years ago, I got the Bible. It's like 90-some hours of audio, and I love it. I love having it available, and I couldn't beat the price because it was free. So if you're interested in that, make sure that you stop by engagingmissions.com slash freebook. Next week, we're going to hear from Renee Treyan. She signed up to be a missionary for just eight months to help out, and now 15 years later, she's still on the mission field. I think you're going to want to hear about this. Thanks for listening to the Engaging Mission Show. You can find more great content like this, along with show notes, by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us an honest rating and review in iTunes. Audio editing was provided by Jeff Butterworth of Sound Paradigm Studio. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.